Remember, remember, the goals of November. It's VAR, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the VAR treason shall ever be forgot. The only verdict is vitiation, a vendetta, held as a votive, not in vain, for the value and veracity of such shall one day villainize the valueless and vile state of VAR. Oh! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bruise and Banter, where we unravel the tapestry of football's finest moments with a dash of rebellion and a pint in hand. I'm your host, Redbeard, the voice in the shadows, and joining me in this footballing revolution is the indomitable Targo. Together, we guide you through this labyrinth of Match Week 11 in the EPL, the thunderous Clash of Titans and Dirk Classicer and our very own football revolution in the form of our power rankings. So grab your favorite brew, settle into the shadows, and let the banter commence. Remember, remember, the goals of November. What up, dude? How's it going? Happy uh, Guy Fox Day. What else did we have? We had uh, Stranger Things Day. Oh, is that has that happened? Uh, yeah, November sixth, and then uh, whatever the hell you want to call Match Week Eleven in the Premier League. Nuts, man! Absolute, absolutely nuts. nuts. Chaos. Slight frustration, maybe a lot of frustration. Oh, <laughs> we'll man. get into it. Yeah. But what are you going to be indulging in while you're drinking through this hard-to-process Match Week 11? I am drinking Icicle Brewing Company. They're a tasty one there out of Leavenworth. Yes, Magic they are. Magic Meadow Hazy Double IPA. Ooh, your turn for it's, the double. It's my turn. It's an 8% beer. They have this nice description, which... I'm not going to read because it just has a bunch of hops I can't pronounce. But let's give it a try. I'm pretty sure I've had this. I don't know. It's been Hmm. a while. That is a very smooth double IPA. Two in a row, huh? That is a smooth game a little bit. Well, today I went for 15.5%. Well, I don't even know if it's Woo! beer. It's called Maple Goodness. It's a bourbon barrel-aged barley wine with vanilla and maple syrup from Lumber Beard Brewing. God, do I love that can. It is cool looking. That is a cool can, but you got to let the listeners, viewers know how much did that beer cost you? Because I was there when you bought it. $14. And you told me? I was like, what? Yeah. Wasn't very happy, but you know what? It'll be worth it. It's 15.5%, so that way it's going to help me digest all of this stuff. So, fun fact, I got this beer on sale for $2. Well, I would rather, at this point, probably rather have uh, (laughs) seven of those than this one. But let us know how it is. Would you buy this $14 beer again? If I was trying to get absolutely hammered, yeah, because it is very smooth. It's kind of syrupy up front, which you'd expect from 15.5%. 
But Mabel? at the end, at the end, man, it's like having, like, I guess, syrup on an Eggo waffle. It is absolutely fantastic. So, in honor of Stranger Things Day, Eggo waffles in a glass. Eggo <laughs> waffles in a glass. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, I'll let you drink that one. Eight and a half out of ten. But it's going to be a while before I drink it again. Eight and a half. I guess I would. I'd probably say the same. Eight and a half. Good no, solid it's beer. Good. It's good. I'm going to be feeling it though. This will be fun. <laughs> well, that makes for some excellent banter. <laughs> but let's jump into it, man. Let's start with the honestly the game that was on Monday. It was a game and a half, if I'm being honest. It was Spurs Literally, hosting Chelsea. The amount of time it took this game to be played was a game and a half. yeah it was so it ended 4-1 to Chelsea I guess let's just dive into it I mean yeah yeah like don't twinkle around it just head first let's go we're going head first we'll start off I mean this the game started out fantastic wide open Tottenham were buzzing that ball around Chelsea were trying to press them and it it looked like Tottenham were just moving the ball around Chelsea. I mean, they got off the mark in the sixth minute. James Madison played a lovely, wonderful crossfield ball to Saar, who found Kulisevsky down the right. Kulisevsky kind of cuts it back, gets a very uh, fortuitous deflection off Levi Cowell, but the ball goes in. Yeah, I, and- I had to feel bad for Robert Sanchez, too, because the path that ball was going, I think he would have stopped it if it didn't take such a big deflection. I, I don't know if I agree. Probably, probably you're you're right on that one. But this game was all Chelsea, man. For or not Chelsea, it was all Tottenham for like twenty minutes. I would say twenty five minutes. And honestly, I thought it was two nil after <laughs> Brennan Johnson plays a wonderful ball to Son, and he first time finishes it past Sanchez. But the flag comes up offside by maybe. I think it was like half his shoulder. Yeah. That much? It was not much. It was tight. And I will say, Brennan Johnson, man, what a breath of fresh air he is out on that left as opposed to Richarlison. Your favorite. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's more dynamic. His passing is better. His runs are better. better. His dribbling's better. So, I mean, for Tottenham, they got a fantastic player on their hands. I will say that. And so this is where I would say this next little piece of action is where the game really started to uh, fly off the handles, so to speak. It was in the 18th minute, Destiny Udogi would find himself lucky to only get a yellow card for a two-footed studs-up tackle on Raheem Sterling. When you watch that and like pause it like when he makes contact with the ball, it literally looks like he's sitting down with his legs straight. Like, there's no... You can't see his legs at all. That's how two-footed he went in on this tackle. I will say, I think it was a deserved yellow. I'll, I'll yeah. agree with that. Very similar, very similar to the Kai Havertz tackle that we'll talk about later. But I, I, I would say the Kai Havertz tackle is probably a little bit worse just because he caught more of the player. Versus Odogi, he, he barely catches Sterling, maybe on the yeah, toe. Yeah, but it's still two-footed tackle. Like, that's you just don't do that. But he doesn't catch a player, and he gets the ball. Yeah. 
Yeah. He does but get the ball. He gets a yellow and it's called a foul for dangerous play. So if he makes any more contact, you're right. Uh, oh, that yeah. would have been If he actually caught Sterling full on, I, I yeah. think it would have been a red. Straight red and probably a melee on the field with the way this game was going. Well, then it's Raheem Sterling, man, back in the action. Thought he scored in the 21st minute, but was judged to have handled the ball before scoring. I think it's kind of unlucky. It, it is, but it does rule, a little bounce between yeah. him and the defender. Rule of, hits rule his of arm. Off the defender's foot, right on his arm, next touch, ball goes in the net. So you cannot score off of a handball or put yourself in a better attacking position. So, yeah, good call by the VAR. There's kind of a crazy series of events right before this no goal. It was Romero kind of gets pushed off the ball from Tiago Silva, you know, Strong tackle, it was fair, but then uh, not Romero mm-hmm. kicks out at Levi Colwell. Yeah, the ball's nowhere near him either. He no, is absolutely lucky not to get a red card for that because you cannot do that. It was a frustration kick out for we've sure. Seen for him get the red, ball to Tiago Silva, we've, but we've seen him get red cards for it before. I, so it, I guess it wasn't looked back, and for me, it's not a red. I would call it a yellow because there's not a lot of force behind it. He's it, wasn't forceful, I guess, onto Levi Colwell. He definitely kicks out of yeah, frustration. Yeah. You can't do that. I yeah. would have said a yellow for me. But you think he should have got a red? Well, he does just a few minutes later, man. <laughs> this whole sequence of events between the Sterling goal and this next one. Can't make it up, man. It, it was just nuts. So much going on. And, I mean, good on VAR for picking it up, but holy crap. So, yeah, well, let's get to it. Sterling kind of dribbles into the box. Vandeven has a little bit of a, a hack at him, but doesn't touch him. But Sterling goes over, you know. And then the ball is kind of bouncing around. Romero clears it and goes through Enzo Fernandez. Studs high, catches him above the ankle. The ball bounces around for a minute, eventually falling to Caicedo, who finishes it. Wonderfully. But Nico Jackson yeah. was offsides, and he was deemed to have interfered with the play as he kind of had to jump out of the way of the ball before it went into the net. So VR was looking at that, the offsides. They called it no goal. But then they went back and were looking at that Romero challenge on Enzo Fernandez. Had the referee go look at it. Red card. Yeah. Penalty. It was it was a it was a picture perfect way for VR to handle that whole situation. They look at it, take your time so you don't get it wrong. Send the send Michael Oliver over to the sideline to look at it, and he deemed that that was a red card offense. Do you agree? Yeah, it was high, reckless. He does. Well, yeah, because he clearly he, he go ahead. I'm going to say his one saving grace is he gets the ball, but how much of Enzo he gets, man, is nuts, and it's high. And, like, you can see it. There's Whereas his first one, his yellow card defense, on my my opinion, wasn't very forceful. This one was. Like, his wind-up, his follow-through, ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I, I mean, say. watching it, like, he could easily clear the ball. He did not need to follow through and essentially take out Enzo's leg. I mean, the studs were halfway up his shin. So his poor Argentina yeah. teammate, too, man. <laughs> Golly, holy cow! 
Yeah. I, and, you know, I've said this in the past that Romero is a very aggressive player and he is prone to these mistakes, these challenges. Yeah. Because he likes he likes that contact, man. But Cole Palmer would step up. Beautiful PK. Vicario got fingertips to it. Wasn't so enough close. to. He was so close. He was close. He had a nice save um, right before that, though, Vicario on uh, Nico Jackson in the first half oh, yeah. as well. He had several in this match. Several. And then as we continue into this first half, tied at 1 1, Spurs, man, probably lose their. Two out of three Two most players. influential players. Yeah. James Madison. And this is at the same time. They both got subbed off at the same time. James Madison gets hurt with what looks like an ankle injury. And then Vandevin, man, you see him trying to put it into fourth gear there to sprint. And he pulls up with a hammy. And the look on his face looked like sheer agony. I feel so bad for him, too, because I think his... If he's out for an extended period of time with the way Spurs play with that high line, I think his miss is much more detrimental to the way they play than James Madison is. Potentially. Like I said, two of their top three, because I think Song mm-hmm. would be their other yeah, 100%. guy. Yeah. But so that leaves them with basically their backup center backs as Romero's going to, well, was out for this game, is going to be suspended for the next three. And then Vandevin had to come off, and who knows how long he'll be out. So you had Eric I would, Dyer I would, I would and say Emerson Royale as center backs. No, it won't be that long. If it's a torn hamstring, they can be up to four months, man. Depending on how bad the well, tear is. not the rest of the year. I guess the maybe rest of the, 20, the calendar year. 2023 calendar is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes, not the season. Not the season. <laughs> but yeah, they're center backs. Eric Dyer, Emerson Royale. And then Hoiberg came on for Madison. Rough. And then just before halftime, we had another VAR check. As Reese James kind of looks like he elbows Udogi. There's definitely an elbow there. I don't think it was malicious or anything. They were both jumping for the ball. Caught him. Nothing in it for me. I, I think he's lucky not to get a card. Just because of how unnatural the position of his elbow is, because it's very, very high. I would but disagree. It, it's a very natural position when you're jumping. Okay. Well, it, it, it is trying to get that fate. leverage. Yeah. Anyways, that be our tire. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how long was half, the, all these VR checks? Fifty-seven minutes for the first half. After 12 minutes of extra time, there was 17 minutes of VAR reviews, four disallowed goals, three subs, two goals, and injuries, and a red card and a penalty kick. All in the first half. All in the first half. Yeah. Yeah, I think 12 minutes of added time is what they put on this one. Nuts. I heard somewhere there was only they only played 23 minutes of football in the first half. And I went down it. So this is, I guess... This is what VAR is going to do, though. If you want every correct call to go, you know, I guess the letter of the law, you're going to have these VAR checks that kill. Honestly, for me, it kills the game a little, being honest. Do I want them to get the right decisions? Yes. But taking two, three minutes, it kills momentum. It kills the flow of the game. And you could see that after that about 20th minute 
when we started having all these stoppages, the VAR checks for the red card, the penalty kick, the handball, the whatever, all of it. it the, the game definitely suffered from a, I guess, a purist point of view. Well, yeah, and as I mean, a, the players on the field. As a neutral you watching of, this. You think of as a player stopping for that amount of time and then not getting properly re, you know, warmed back up. It probably had something to do with Mickey Vanderven's hamstring pull. Potentially. I, I mean, or at least, I, I, at I, least I, I doubt it. Set him up for failure in that department. I, I don't think it did at all on that. No, not these professional athletes with how much they train and everything. But the second half also did not disappoint in this game. <laughs> not in a the dull 55th moment. minute. Destiny Odogi would get his second yellow. After a tackle on Raheem Sterling, poor guy, he knew it, man. As soon as he made yeah. that tackle, he was just laying on the ground thinking, oh, shit, what did I do? Yeah, head and hands, knew it the moment he did it. Spurs down to nine. And Chelsea would pile on the pressure after this. You mentioned that high line. They were just trying to get through that pretty much. Uh, Hoiberg had to have a nice goal line clearance off of a very poor Nico Jackson header. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he had the whole goal and managed to hit it right at Hoiberg. I don't know how. And then Chelsea would finally take the lead through Nico Jackson in the 75th after Raheem Serling breaks the lines and gets behind the Spurs defense, squaring it for the easy tap-in, making it 2-1. But Spurs had chances in this game, man. Like, they weren't dead at 2-1. Like, I know that the scoreline is 4-1, but I don't think that does this game any justice at all. I, I, I think, yeah, it doesn't do it any justice because three of those goals came in pretty much extra time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two of them did. Two of them, but, sorry. I mean, Spurs, they thought they equalized just two minutes later off of a beautiful finish from Eric Dyer. Oh, what but a first one. header to him was offside. First time, yeah. Not by much either. I thought initially that he was way offsides, but inches. It was not, no. Nico Jackson would make it 3-1 in the 94th, so like you said, stoppage time, as Chelsea would pretty much go end-to-end after Son would have his shot saved by Sanchez. Good save. Chelsea go right down the other end. Gallagher with kind of a wonderful piece of individual play puts the ball across for Jackson for another tap-in. And then he would complete his uh, first Chelsea hat trick in the 97th after he was played behind Spurs' unsuccessfully high line. <laughs> Dribbling around Vicario for a tap in. He had Mudrick right there next to him, kind of used him yeah. as a dummy. Yeah. He should have had five or six in this one, let's be honest. Easily. So yeah. I, I, that header, there's one. He had one in the first half. He had another one, I think, just after his second goal, where the ball just kind of fell out to him about eight yards out, and he blazes it over Mm -hmm. in typical nico jackson style right that's fine man this was (laughs) yeah i mean this 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 match was crazy man 21 minutes of total added on time five goals called back 20 minutes of over 20 minutes of var reviews 33 fouls six yellow cards and two reds whoa it is nothing short of crazy it was yeah and (laughs) Like I said, man, this game, it started so well. Like, when it 
when it started, I saw both teams just the way they were playing, going after it. I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna be you know a delicious, delicious match." It's a tasty affair, and it kind of got a little sour with all the VAR stoppages, but but hey, I guess that is the game today. VAR, the way it's been performing, I mean, it's damned if you do, it's damned if you don't. I at this point, I'm glad they got the majority of the decisions. Well. Almost all of them right in this match. All right. Well, let's move on to another London club. We had Fulham hosting Manchester United. Manchester United running out 1-0 winners. So this was an interesting one. Very. United didn't play very well, of course. They had a goal taken back by VAR, which we'll get into. But let's start with, I guess, the one goal that did count. Bruno Fernandez, kind of with a little bit of a brilliance there. Palestri, some kind of good hustling, trying to win the ball back. But it takes kind of another individual moment of brilliance to win a game. Yeah, and you said or it. to score a goal, I guess we'll say. You said it before. Manchester United are playing for moments of individual brilliance to win games. Well, they got it in this one. And so that's that's going to be difficult for them to sustain that. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's three points. That's all that matters. If they wouldn't have gotten this win, it would have been interesting to see uh, the pressure that would have been applied to Ten Hag. Yeah, nine losses. Run of form, it but there been nine out of sixteen games he would have lost. So that would have been pretty bad. But they're still kind of hovering around. You know, European places, at least the yeah. top half of the table, which, you know, when you think of their performances, you think probably bottom half of the table, but they're they're picking up points. They're not playing well, but they're picking up points. So kudos to them. Let's get to this uh, VAR call. Harry Maguire was judged to have been offside, offside despite not touching the ball after McTominay, Manchester United's top goal scorer this season, scored. What do you think of this one? I'll be honest with you. I At this point, I don't know what to think of it. Was it the correct decision? Was it not? I mean, he definitely makes a play towards the ball. But he doesn't, doesn't influence. It, doesn't really influence anything else in the play. So it's, I guess I'll paint a picture for you. A cross comes in. He's reaching for it. He misses it. The player behind him who's onside gets to it and plays it across to McTominay who scores. I, I would say it's not the correct decision. If you got, if I think got to put by the on. letter of the law, it is the correct decision because he made a play on the ball. He went for it when he was in an offside position, and so I, I guess I can see why it was called. But like you said, he doesn't really influence the play, so why should it matter? You know, in that sense. Yeah. So like, if the ball went straight to McTominay, okay, I have no problem with it. But it didn't. So it didn't really influence the goalkeeper in any way. Didn't really influence defenders in any way. Therefore, does it really affect the play? No. VAR thought so because they called it back. <laughs> <laughs> but with this win, Eric Ten Hag becomes the fastest United manager to 50 wins. Despite his recent 
recent record. I think he's the man to lead him out of this rough patch. Or black hole of a club right now. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be. I just think, is he going to get enough time to be able to do that? Is he going to get the tools and resources necessary and support to allow him to do so? I mean, his substitutions have been questionable of late. His signings have been questionable. His recruitment, how much of that is influenced by the people above him, I don't know. I'm not in there every day seeing what it's like. So I I would say as of this moment, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But make it short and sweet. I think he is the man for the job, and I think he needs to stay there at least the season. Let's see it out. All right, well, let's move on to a five-goal thriller. We had Brentford hosting West Ham. Brentford ran out 3-2 winners. So Flecken almost gifted a goal to the Hammers in the opening moments as he (laughs) slips after a Pinnock back pass almost allows Antonio to score before uh, the ball got hacked away. By a whisker. Holy cow. And Neil Malpe... Would put the bees ahead after kind of a crazy passage of play in the eleventh minute. His first goal in fourteen months. That's nuts. Neil Mope. So after deliveries into the box by Yanel and Mbomo, who nodded away, Yanel dinks the ball to the back post. It was headed down towards Onyeka, whose half volley was nodded in by Mope. Gave him the lead. It was just kind of poor communication for me by the West Ham defenders as they headed away a ball that really they could have let go out. Like, he could have just not headed the ball, mm-hmm. let it go out behind him for goal kick. Yeah, for me, that's Poor on the keeper. Yeah, that's on Fabianski, or Ariola, whoever started. I mean, you got to put it on the defender who heads it, too. Look around you, man. That's where that situational awareness comes into play. Yeah, got to keep I mean... your head on a swivel. With the speed of everything going on in the box, the keeper also needs to be able to tell you, hey, there's no one behind you, let it go. So, Someone, him, on one ball. of his defenders. But man, West Ham would equalize with a golazo from Mohamed Kudis. Second in two games, what, man. Holy what a cow. spectacular goal. Beautiful. I mean, and it was a goal like out of nothing. Like You didn't really expect was. him to score. It was just kind of a cross that was behind him, and he somehow scissors kicks it, and it just goes yeah, flying I, into the back of the I net. I didn't want to call it a bicycle kick, because it's more from the side. So I think scissor kick is yeah. probably the right call there. But either way, man, it is acrobatic and beautiful. It was. And West Ham would actually take the lead, going 2-1 up in the 26th minute. After Jared Bowen becomes the first player to score in six successive away matches, Mohamed Kudis, there's a, a cross to Makudis, and it kind of comes off of his thigh, hits the post, and then bounces straight to Jared Bowen for him to kind of tap it in. I mean, he's always the in the goal right was spots, looked at man. by VAR. Yeah, the, this goal was looked at also by VAR because they weren't sure if the ball had come off of uh, Bowen's arm. But they gave it. From the angles they had, it was it was hard to tell. I will say if it was yeah, his arm or kind of his side, or yeah. 
I, I'd give it to him. Inconclusive. That's going to be yeah. a, a word Theme. said a lot here coming up. I will say, though, West Ham had one of the worst misses. Probably the second worst miss of the weekend. So you probably know the first one. <laughs> I do, and I was just about to say something about it. But yeah, Jared Bowen, man, he slid a ball far post. And then Rama and Antonio, like, getting each other's way. Antonio stretches for it. And if he would have let it go, Ben Rama would have been there. He misses. It was Plays open ball net, over. too, man. Open net. Open net. Yeah. Selfish, man. Selfish. Terrible. Again, communication. Redford level in the 55th. Communication, yes. West Ham having trouble with communicating. <laughs> But Brentford would level the match in the 55th as Yanel and Obomo play a short corner. And then Suing Cross is headed into the net by Mavropanos for the own goal, man. Like, this is a terrible flicked header. Like, the ball's coming, and he tries to flick it over the bar, flick it away. It I don't tries know. tries to get cute with instead it he, instead he of just heading it out. Bins. Yeah, pretty much. Top bins. Yeah, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Dinos. I don't know. Honestly, Brentford's third goal was a little bit of deja vu, as it was another cross to that far post, but this time it was put in by a Brentford player, um, by Jensen. Jensen put the cross in, Collins heads it in. Yeah, there you go. Bullet header two. Brentford, man. Is Collins, I think, first goal for Brentford or something like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's three wins in a row for Brentford. And vice versa, three losses in a row for West Ham. It's a good thing West Ham kind of got up that good start. They're sliding down the table right now, sitting in 12. Yeah, lucky for them. Probably that amount of points is going to be good enough for safety this season. So, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they'll have to worry about safety. I mean, if you look at... The teams that are going to get relegated there, it's pretty obvious who that's going to come down to. Yeah. Speaking of one of those relegated teams fighting, <laughs> we had Man City hosting Bournemouth at the Etihad. <laughs> and this was a lamb that was sent this to was, slaughter. This was a trading match, man. <laughs> Starring Jeremy Doku as the leading man. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Doku was the butcher of that four mid team. <laughs> Holy lambs out for slaughter. Holy crap. So he, he gets the first goal. This one ended 6 1. And he has a goal and four assists. It was 3 0 by halftime. Goals by Doku, Silva, and Akanji. And then City would put another three in the second half. Threw against Silva, Foden, and Ake. That second Silva goal, though, what a beautiful ball from Doku and the little yeah. flick from Bernardo Silva, man. Oh, just the, lifted over the goalkeeper. The Foden one, too, man. What a ball by Doku. Fine Foden, nonetheless. So, yeah, I mean, what a player he is. Holy cow. I didn't know he could pass the ball like that. Or the vision. More goal contributions than Anthony already? I don't yeah. know if that's true. I'm just throwing it out I there. I think he's got more in the last three games than Anthony does in his entire career for United. So there yes. you go. 
I mean, in this match, he has more than the entire offense of Man United in the Premier League this season. So, which is one goal and one assist. Okay. <laughs> well, Bournemouth at least would get a consolation in this one from Luis Sinistera. But I mean, City dominated this one, man. 21 shots, eight on target, six, six of them in the goal. <laughs> Not a great goalkeeping performance, I'll say that. <laughs> No, but Man City, they are now sitting top of the table by themselves, 27 points, with 28 goals for, the most goals scored in the Premier League. And eight against, which is the best defense in the Premier League. Mm. Will anyone be able to stop them? Probably not. (laughs) For those of you listening on the podcast, he just shrugged and held his hands up. We'll get into why later. But all right. So speaking of another relegation threatened team, we had Sheffield hosting Wolves. This one ended two one to Sheffield. They get their first win of the season. Good, Good for, for them. them. Yeah, they needed that desperately. Unfortunately, they still they still sit bottom of the table on four points. But we'll go through this game. I will say. We'll start with the Sheffield goal. They scored first in the 72nd minute after kind of a lucky bounce fell to Cameron Archer. Like the defender went to clear it. It bounced off a Sheffield player's legs and sent Archer straight through on goal, who had a fantastic finish. Fantastic. But then, yeah. Love that celebration, too. His last name is Archer, so what's he doing? It fits. The Archer Archer celebration celebration. while sliding, too, man. Questions on Jose Saw for this one? Could he have done better? I kind of feel like he could have done better, but he was also running back because it was it was a weird break. I mean, it was yeah. a weird ball that kind of bounced through. And so I can see why he was out of posi- position and had to start retreating back to goal. And as he's running back, the shot gets taken. So yeah. I don't want to be too harsh, but... His form has not been great lately. I will say that. It looked weird when I saw it, like because he didn't really have to dive for the shot. But I mean, it was a thunderbolt that that archer took and yeah, but Wolves would equalize in the 89th through Jean Rickner Belagarde after his deflected shot would beat Fodringham. It's kind of yeah. a nice turn and shot and it looked really good. First, first watch, but then you can see it. It did take a wicked deflection, took wicked. it top bins. Wicked. But yeah, I think it's what Wolves deserved, so. And then we have some VAR controversy. <sighs> Punishing poor Wolverhampton Wonders again. Again, for the second straight match. So Sheffield would get the winner from the penalty spot, as Fabio Silva was judged, air quotes, to have fouled George Balduck in the 110th minute. Harsh, man. It looked like Baldick was was going down before he even touched him. He was. And there is very, very minimal contact in this. Not to mention he was already going down. And you got to feel for Fabio Silva, man. He looked distraught after that match. Yeah, he was crying after the match because Oliver Norwood would step up, smash that penalty home. Almost missed. Honestly, almost thought it was going to go over. Bar, yeah. 
I remember when we were watching that game, we we're like, oh, <laughs> oh. But yeah, I mean, Wolves done harsh and yet again by VAR. Man, it's the third time in the season, second time in two games for pretty much the exact same thing. Weak penalties deciding Wolves season right now. <laughs> they really are. Um, luckily, they're. I think, like you said, they're probably going to be safe. They're in 14th place on 12 points. But that was an important win for Sheffield United, man. Yeah, first win back in the Premier League. Levels them with Burnley on points. Gives them some confidence, which is desperately needed for them right now. Speaking of Burnley, they played Crystal Palace. They hosted Crystal Palace, and they lost 2-0. Six Raise your hand if you didn't in see this coming. Yeah, I didn't think so. Nobody. Nobody didn't see this coming. Not this bad, yeah. So Jordan Ayu picks the pocket of Burnley defender Bayer, drives into the box, sliding the ball across for Jeffrey Schlup. 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 Who's running at the far post. He taps it in. 1-0. That's pretty much how it stayed until the 94th minute when super sub Abriche Eze would assist Tyrick Mitchell for a goal in the 94th. Good to see Eze come back in from injuries. All that's left, man. Michael Olise. Give the people what they want. Bring him back. <laughs> Let's go. Been waiting to see him all season. Nothing. He has been injured. Yeah, I thought maybe he'd be back sometime. In October. Yeah. End of October, yeah. Yeah. This result leaves Crystal Palace in 11th on 15 points. Burnley, they're in 19th on 4 points, man. And guess who they play next week? (laughs) A pissed-off Arsenal squad. (laughs) Sucks for them. Hopefully it sucks. But let's talk about, I guess, the one bright spot I saw in this game. It was Burnley winger. The one bright spot for Burnley, I will say. Winger yeah. Luca Coliosho, man. He's only 19. He looks like their best player. I hope he plays for the U.S. Because he could play for U.S., Italy, and I think one other country, technically. But at least I hope he drives so too, at defenders, tries to beat them, get in the box. Looks like the really only goal threat because, hot damn, this team cannot score a goal to save their life. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, let's see. Their last goal was against Bournemouth. And then they've got one against Chelsea and two against Luton. Those are their goals. That's crazy. So... Terrible. They're in trouble. Let's go to a result I guess we didn't see coming. Yeah. You and I, we both picked Brighton to win this game, but they drew Everton at Goodison Park. And Everton would get on early, man, through Vitaly Mikalenko. A bit of luck with this goal, but a great tackle as he kind of got the ball going in the attack. Kind of takes a deflection. It's like he takes a shot at rebounds right back to him. He puts it in. Bit of luck, but great goal for Everton. And I mean, the, their last two results have been fantastic. 
So I gotta point out this goal. Lewis Dunk thought he equalized off of a thunderbolt man of a first time volley, only to be marginally offside. <laughs> man, that volley. Oh. I mean, we've said I don't know if he's had it, had this in his locker, but I mean, is that the week second week in a row? I mean, he had a free kick. Was it last week? It was a yeah, thunderbolt the off the crossbar. This is center back we're talking about. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> but Brain do equalize through uh, an Ashley Young own goal in the 84th after a terrible deflected cross. Uh, Matoma kind of turns his defender inside out, goes across it. Unlucky deflection for poor Ashley Young, who's poor Ashley just came Young. back after that red card. I know that can't, he got against Liverpool. Can't buy a lick of luck, man. That was just unfortunate. No, he can't. But I want to talk about Brighton for a second, man. They are very much a double-edged sword. They score goals, but hot damn, do they concede goals as well? So they've conceded twenty goals so far. Which the only teams to concede more are the bottom four. Yeah. So your Lutons, your Bournemouths, your Burnleys, your Sheffields. That's where Brighton's at. They're in that mix on conceding goals. But they've also scored 24 goals. Which is one of the highest. Not the highest, but probably like fourth, I think. Yeah. Behind Newcastle, Villa, and City. Tied with Liverpool. And so they're scoring goals, but they're conceding a lot, man. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on, man, because they're winless in their last five. They'd won five out of six previously. I mean, two losses and three draws in their last five. They're just leaking goals, and they can't really create anything. It's maybe it's European football in there, and they're getting it, some legs. I don't know. It could, because you look at these draws. The last one was to Everton. Before that, it was Fulham. They had a loss to City and then a draw to Liverpool. And then they got thrashed by Villa. They beat Bournemouth. That was their last game in the Premier League. That they won, yeah. That was at the end of September. Wow. So Bournemouth, or not Bournemouth, Brighton, they, they need to start shoring up that defense. Because they're sitting seventh, and I, you know, the way they play going forward, man, I, I want to see them do well, but they got to strip the ball defense. out of the net to win games. So can't just outscore everybody. No. It doesn't happen. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another game that was filled with a little bit of controversy. Just a little bit. We had Newcastle hosting Arsenal. Kyle's this one would curious. end 1-0 to Newcastle. And I gotta say, man, so for what little goal mouth action there was in this game, it was a very entertaining game to watch. I absolutely loved this match. If you take the goal and the VAR controversy out of it, one of the best games I've seen all season. This was physical. This was like late 90s style Premier League football. Great refereeing that just let them play on. There were some incidents that VAR unfortunately had to take hold of. 
Or didn't take hold of. Or didn't take hold of. But it was fantastic, man. And this deserved to be a draw so much. Like a 0-0 draw and no one's talking about any VAR controversy whatsoever. So yeah, like you said, it was old school battle type of game. I guess we'll start with the first bit of controversy involving Bruno Guimaraes, who would be involved quite a bit in this game. Had a forearm that went to the head of Jorginho after he had played the ball away. Deliberate movement of his arm, elbow towards his head. I don't know how VAR VAR missed missed it. it. He literally runs past Jorginho. When Jorginho gets the ball and plays it, he has his eyes set on him, runs at him, raises the elbow, and hits him with his forearm right in the side of the head. How do you not see that that is violent conduct? How do you not see that? The only excuse I can give VR is they felt maybe it wasn't enough force. It's I don't know. Again, I'm trying to defend it. And it's very hard because that is an obvious red card. An opponent. If this happened to anybody, any other team in the Premier or the world, I would say the same thing. Intent to hurt an opponent. Ball is nowhere near him. Red card. Every single time. Honestly, Bruno could have had two red cards, man. Probably two or three, yes. But, I mean, it's literally the letter of the law for violent conduct. Like, if you were to read it, it literally explains this situation. It's the, yeah. So, he he got another lucky one on Jorginho. Jorginho plays the ball away, and he just straight shoves him down to the ground. He gets in the face of Declan Rice. They're pushing. He gets nothing you, for there. It, it's what happened before that, too, is he literally kicked the ball at Declan Rice. Puts the ball down, kicks it at him. Declan Rice gets in his face. He goes, puts his hands around his throat area. They get in a shot. It was man. chest. It, it, was, it looked chest to me. He does eventually get a yellow for a area. hand into the face. The, the uh, probably wasn't his face. Probably more his throat into Fabio Vieira. Yeah. yeah, the one that I would say probably is the least of all of them, and probably, I would say, just a foul, not even a yellow card. Makes no sense. Speaking of a yellow card, we have a Kai Havertz tackle. I believe it was on Sean Longstaff? Yeah, it was, and the first one. One of them. So he goes in for a tackle, ugly tackle. He's looking to ninja In the air, trying. I mean, it looks like a mixture of he's trying to block the ball and take out the opponent. Like, that's how high he came in. But it also looks like he's trying to block it because he's well ahead of the person kicking the ball. I will say, this one looked a lot worse live. Than oh, on yeah. The... We were freaking out. Slow-mo. Yeah. So Slow-mo. when he goes in, his 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 studs don't catch the player. It's his trailing leg that's on the ground catches the player's standing foot. I can see why it would hurt. You know, you can roll your ankle like that. It was a yellow card, but what was hilarious to me is Kai Havertz gets a yellow card for this tackle. But then (laughs) after a result of all the arguing and shoving, three Newcastle players get yellow yellow cards. (laughs) Yeah. And Kai Havertz shushes the entire Newcastle bench. It's fantastic. But yeah, it was. Do you think it was was a red? I know there was lots. There's a lot of controversy with this one. 
I think it's the same as the Udogi one. If he makes any more contact than what he did, it's a red. Otherwise, it's a yellow. Plain and simple. End of story. A high yellow. We'll call it that. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, let's talk about the goal scored by Anthony Gordon in the 64th minute. It starts off. There's a cross that goes across the keeper. Looks like it goes out of bounds. Do you want to just some of the go angles. one by one, or do you want to go through all of them at a time? We'll start with the, the out-of-bounds. We'll go one by one. So it looks like the ball goes out-of-bounds from some angles, but again, this is a ball you can't... I, I can see, anyway, how part of it could be in. I yeah. can see that. Yes. But let, let's not forget, okay? Manchester United had a similar situation where the ball looked a lot less out-of-bounds against Brighton. It got yeah, called out of bounds. Got called out of bounds and said it was clear and obvious, even though Rashford's ankle and foot are in the way of the line. This one, you can see the entire ball, the entire bit of grass on the other side of the line. I do understand we're talking three dimensions here, right? It still could be in bounds. I'm. This is probably out of the three shouts, four shouts for this goal. I have the least issue with. It's just here's where I have the these... most issue. Go ahead. Here's where I have the most issue. How the fuck is there not a camera on that line? All right? this technology, right? All this There's... money, and that's the best camera view for over 30 cameras <laughs> on this pitch. Over 30. They need to add and one more, apparently. And you can't <laughs> get the line there. I'm pretty sure we said the exact same thing about the United one as well, but for me. You got to be consistent, VAR. If the United one is out of bounds, this one's out of bounds. If this one's not out of, if this one is not out of bounds, neither is the United one, and Manchester United need an apology. One or the other. So that's the out of bounds ball. Then the ball gets played in from Callum Wilson to Joe Linton, and so for me, this is where there's the biggest shout for why this goal should not have been allowed. Joe Linton, obviously seeing he's not going to get to the ball because he has Gabrielle in front of him. Gabrielle mm-hmm. is going to head the ball. Joe Linton puts two hands into the back of Gabrielle to try to get him out of the way. I know you've done it as a striker. You nudge that defender a little bit when they're going for a header and it gets them out of the way. That's a yeah, foul. I've done it multiple times, but for me in this, yes, it's a foul. But the biggest thing for me is that Joe Linton is not on the ground. He is in the air, so the full weight of his body is being is pushing Gabrielle. If you're a defender, I don't care how big and strong you are, if a man the size of Joe Linton is in the air putting his entire weight on your back, you cannot jump off the ground straight up. You will go over. Yes, he went down a little easy, but that is a foul. His arms fully extended, changed Gabrielle's trajectory of how he was going to jump, where he looked like he was just going to flick it over the bar. At least the way he or was out jumping. Or wherever, yeah. Or it looked like wherever. he would have got his head to it. It was a foul. I don't care who you are as a football fan. If you do not think this is a foul, you need to go study the rules of the game. I do not care who you are. You do not know the rules of football if you think this is not a foul. I'll stop there. 
Heated. Heated, man. <laughs> so it also kind of looks like a handball could have been in there, but um, I guess I'll revert back to that Sterling goal that was called back because Sterling was the one that scored. It got called because Joe Linton was not the one who scored. It was not called. But because his touch led to the next touch being a goal. Doesn't matter. rule of the law. It was incidental, and so it doesn't matter. Again, what I was going to get to is there was not conclusive evidence. I couldn't even tell if his hand hit the ball. So there's not. That and one, that, and that, I understand. And it's I'm similar to the next that. issue, which was the offsides on Anthony Gordon after the ball comes off of Jolington or Gabrielle, whoever it comes off of. Again, wasn't sufficient evidence. All the angles you see, you either see Gordon or you see the ball, but you cannot see Wait, both in the same picture. You, you know what camera would have got that? The one on the sideline that would have caught if it was inbounds or out of bounds. They would have seen that. <laughs> Weird. But no, I this one I honestly I'm not even upset about. Like you can't see the ball at all. How are you supposed to be able to tell? And even the other angles where you can see the ball, there's no line that's gonna tell me that he was offsides. And if he is, it's <laughs> like inches. It's the foul for me. That's one hundred percent a foul. Either way, man, Arsenal didn't create caca in this game. They had one Te- shot on target to Newcastle's two shots on target. Technically, both teams had one shot on target. Technically. Because the second one shouldn't have been a shot on target. It should have been a foul. Okay. <laughs> well, by the result of the game, they had two shots on target. But yeah, this was... I will say it was a feisty match, man. I would not have wanted Ben in that midfield playing against Joel Linton. He is a beast. He's a monster. I do have to give a shout out to Newcastle's defense. Lascelles. Lascelles played fantastic. Fantastic. Trippier, left or right, was fantastic. Um, Livermento when he came on for Dan Byrne. When he came on, yeah. Um, and I got a shout out Declan Rice. He also looked fantastic for Arsenal in this yeah. game. They just need two of him, one to play in the eight and one to play in the sixth role. Then yeah. I think they'll be okay. <laughs> and I will give a shout out to Miggy Almiron. First player to dribble past William Saliba this season. Props. Now. So do you want to talk about Arteta's press conference? I'll let I you would, go into yeah, that, man. I was just going to go into that. So, yeah, something, I mean. If you've listened to this entire episode up to this point, we've had how many instances? Three, four, five instances of VAR. Yeah, the McGuire goal that wasn't given. You had in Chelsea, yellow and or red on Romero. You had the Wolves penalty that was given. The Yeah. More than That's one in this match, whatever. <clears throat> I agree with Mikel Arteta. At the end of this, in his press conference, I know there's been a lot of debate whether he's right or wrong, whether he should do it, whether Arsenal should back him up, whatever. But VAR has cost too many teams too many points at this point in the season. We are 11 games in, and you could argue that it has changed results at least 10 times. It's embarrassing. The stakes are too high for these kind of mistakes. I mean, Wolves have been robbed three times. United three plus times. It's like Wolves. I feel like Wolves should have five more points than they do because of VAR. They should have tied, well, beat United technically, but 
let's go with tie, and they should have won a their tie. draw and won this match. Their their chef drew their Sheffield United match. So yes, five points. United, I'm not so sure that the decisions would have really changed the games, especially the City one. Arsenal, it's the second time this season. Liverpool got cheated the most out of anybody. Should have three more points. I think they would have... I mean, there's two mistakes in that match alone where they probably would have beat Tottenham. And numerous other ones. whole goal not being counted? Weird. (laughs) And a red card not being given? Hmm. But numerous other teams have been cheated. And it's... This is... There's too much money at stake. This is too high profile of a league for simple human error that could have been fixed. One, if it was automated, Liverpool would have been given a goal. That would have been easy. It would have taken 10 seconds. The Chelsea and Tottenham game, we would have cut that time in less than half of the amount of time. With automated? With yeah. automated. It's just it's ridiculous. For me, the... The big issue is that referees not going to the monitor to look at some of this stuff. Exactly. Like, if you're going to take this long, you should have had the referee at the monitor already and just go w- over Go take a second them. look. Make sure you can live with your decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're going to take five, ten minutes on a decision, have the referee over there already. Like, hey, we're going to take an extended look at this. Go over to the monitor. Then you're not even wasting any time. Any more time, at least. Yeah. But, like, how many apologies are going to be given and how many times must it happen before there's actually anything done about it? Because right now, I mean, last season it cost Arsenal six points. I'm not saying it would have cost them, like, that they wouldn't have won the title, but they did lose the title by five points. Like, that's hundreds of millions of pounds. Whether or not Arsenal would have won at the end of the day, probably not. Let's be honest, the way they played at the end of last season. But it makes a difference. And you're saying already there's this many teams losing points and gaining points because of it. And I'm just going to throw in there as I end my rant that you don't see Manchester City getting any of these calls against them. Oh, collusion. Financial breaches not getting punished. Every single team up and down the table has had at least one. Manchester City have yet to have a controversial VAR call against them. Just saying. I feel for you, Liverpool. Yes. Whole goal not allowed. All right, man. Well, let's match. move on to a game where you won't get as heated. It was Nottingham no, Forest hosting Aston Villa. This one's funny. <laughs> this one is more funny. Yeah. So we both picked Villa to win off of their high flying form. They did not. No. Forest continue their hot form at home. They get out to an early lead, scoring in the fifth minute by left back Ola Aina with a fantastic strike outside the box. What, what a first time strike that was, too. Oh, side footed, upper V. Oh, oh. Sorry, Villa fans, but God, that was beautiful. Then there was a bit of controversy as a handball against Forrest was not given right before halftime. Yeah, I, I what do you think? would have been a little harsh. Um, but the way they've been calling handballs in the box of late, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was given. But again, it would have been harsh. 
What? Yeah. But we've been saying a lot of these handballs are harsh, but they're being given. And then Emmy Martinez, man, just voted best goalkeeper in the year. (laughs) The best goalie in the world, man. Absolutely comical error from him. Gifts for us their second goal. A shot comes in. I'm not sure what he's trying to do. If he's trying to palm it above the goal or palm it out, he palms it straight up and into the net. Isn't strong enough to do either one of those because it goes straight up in the air. And then he goes to grab it and essentially carries it out of the goal. (laughs) It was. It was pretty funny. But man, I will say Villa, they really like to play that high line. And with Awani and Alanga, some speed on that front line for Forrest, they were they were getting in behind. Something to yeah, look I'm at very, there for Unai I'm very, I'm very, very interested to see when Tottenham and Villa play each other. I think it's only in a couple of weeks. But the way they both play, I swear there's going to be 22 guys within 30 yards. Let me look. When do they, <laughs> they play on November 26th. There you go. <laughs> Three weeks. <laughs> but yeah man it's like they play such a high line it bites them in the ass or they do really well against Newcastle. yeah and against brighton it, it does very well just like tottenham does i mean i would say tottenham probably have a little bit more skill in that department but either way this should be interesting i will say though man Villa should have had at least one goal in this game. They had so many shots that they just blasted high or wide, not even on target. It was honestly a bit frustrating to watch. Like, how much do you get paid to do this and you can't right. get a shot Hit on target? target? Come on now. Yeah, I, I don't Ugh. understand it, man. It, it reminded me a lot of Chelsea. It kind of did, yeah. But let's get honestly to the surprise result of the weekend, man. We had Luton. <laughs> Hosting Liverpool. This one ended 1-1. Luton should have probably came out of this one with something more than that. Or vice versa. Uh, Actually, you know what? Liverpool should have had something more than one goal. (laughs) But, I mean, good on Luton, man. Playing in pretty much an airport hangar bay. (laughs) So, Luton, man, they they get the win. Or, uh... Massive draw against Liverpool. They thought it was going to be a win before Luis Diaz came on as a sub. And obviously we all know what's going on with his family. So it was very emotional and a big moment for him as he would get the equalizing goal. But I mean, Liverpool dominated this game, man. Had numerous chances. Numerous. But their finishing was poor. So poor. I I mean, mean, we pretty much summed up. Of the weekend, if not one of the seasons... It two was of Mo Salah, man, in a row. has a header. Two of them in a row. It was two of them in a row. Mo Salah has a header that you can tell he's trying to put on target, and he completely oh, yeah. mishits, oh, and yeah. it falls right to Darwin Nunez, who has the, the whole goal. goal. He's maybe, what, three feet out? Maybe? A yard? Yeah. A yard, yeah. Maybe. Blazes it over the bar. Like, this I don't is, know how he does it. He, he could have just literally ran into the ball and scored. Like, straight up, just put the ball in front of you and run through it. Goal. Like, there's nobody <laughs> around him. And he manages to blaze over the bar. I Like, this is, these are fundamentals. Fundamentals. 
I understand. Fundamentally funny he for us. Golazos, but he cannot finish simple finishes. I don't know, man. Luton, they Anybody got their goal in the 80th minute. Benched, I'm just saying. <laughs> Luton got their goal in the 80th minute. Russ Barkley, man, ran the ball. It seemed like 40 yards. Fed it to Adebayo, who played a lovely ball across for Taheed Chong, finishing off a devastating counter, just slipping the ball right underneath Allison. And I, I remember watching this with you, too. Freaking Konate coming up behind Ross Barkley, and you just see him look back like, oh, my God. How did he close that gap so quickly? Making him look slow. <laughs> That's exactly what I said to you. Russ Barkley looks slow, man. Konate's catching him. <laughs> and Konate well, was also, booking it, man. He was, man. He's quick. That's, or at least quicker than Barkley. That's for sure. But I was questioning because there was a little bit of a handball before on Barkley. I was wondering if this one was going to stand. Again, this one would have been harsh as his back was completely turned away from the ball as it struck his arm. But it stood. I'm, if I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm probably a little upset about it. But as a neutral and always rooting for the underdog, it was Luton score goal, man. And man, they're crap. The, the whole stadium went nuts after that goal. Nuts. Oh. Oh, yeah. And like we said, Liverpool got their equalizer in the 96, leaving it late. Harvey Jones put across back post. Luis Diaz there to finish it off, saving the at least more embarrassment from Liverpool. But Luton, man, out of the relegation zone. Good for them, man. Because I'll be honest with you, the way Liverpool finished in this match, they did not deserve anything. Just missing that Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah attempt back-to-back. They didn't deserve to win this match or draw it after that miss. I'm sorry. It was that bad. It was awful. For me, me it was like Liverpool showed up to this game expecting to win. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, you you do expect them to win, but they, they played like they were expecting to win. Not quite, I feel like, moving the ball as quick as they normally do. And I think it, the result shows that. Yeah, and it's what it's what was deserved by them. They definitely didn't deserve the three points. So good on you, Luton. Yeah, good I on you. Them surviving's looking good. <laughs> I mean, I hope they do. It would be huge for them. They thought they got a payday last season. <laughs> Wait till you survive the drop this season. All right, Der Klassiker, the Clash of Titans. Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich at Signal Iduna Park, Targo. I know how excited you were for this one. And I don't mean to have Borussia Dortmund let you down. <laughs> they got walloped in this match, losing 4-0. to nil. <sighs> makes me feel better. I did not predict them to win. If you are subscribed to any of our social medias, our TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you will know. I made a TikTok with my prediction of Bayern Munich winning that game. And why I predicted Bayern Munich winning that game? Harry Kane. Well, let's get into it and see if your prediction came to fruition. Dio Upa Maguire, I mean Upa Makano, we get the <laughs> Bayern scoring 
started in the fourth minute in a match that was all Bayern from pretty much the first minute. Fantastic corner from Leroy Sané to find him to head it home, but suspect marking from Dortmund. And in particular... back man, just let him go. Yeah, I mean, there was no one within 5, 10 feet of him. He's nice, easy, wide-open header. Empty net. It should never Didn't happen. Didn't even have to jump. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was dumb. Uh, Byron would go from goal kick to goal in the ninth minute after some majestic play and a 90-yard sprint from Leroy, Leroy Sané would find him able to square it up for Harry Kane, making it 2-0. Yeah, Byron taking full advantage of their pace on this one. Oh, dude, Leroy Sané looks so quick. And then he's poor Matt Hummels is trying to keep up with him. <laughs> and he I should mean, know from Byron training, playing with him, that he's never going to work. Well, at least it looks like he made wasn't the best either, Matt Hummels, no. but no. So he got caught. Yeah. And then they almost made it three just before the half as Harry Kane played through Jamal Musiala, who was kept out from a wonderful save by Cobalt. He had Pretty a much good save the square in the test. Yeah. I uh, I mean the first half, Targo. Was that the best football you've seen from Bayern Munich this season? Yeah, dominated, man. I would say Dortmund didn't even have a sniff of goal until the very end of that first half. Yeah, and you know, Bayern Munich are so damn fast going forward. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a team, including Arsenal and Manchester City and Brighton, be able to counterattack at such speeds. Kingsley it's Coleman, like Leroy Sané, Jamal Musiala, man, all running at you. Oh, even, even 30 plus year old Harry Kane, man. They're just like front to back in two to three seconds. Like it is nuts how fast they are. But Dortmund would grow into the match in the second half as they would be have a wonderful chance to get one back in the 56th minute as Marco Royce found himself behind the defense after some wonderful positioning. And then Manuel Neuer, back with a vengeance, with a wonderful save to deny him a goal in this one. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that. I do not think it was wonderful positioning from Marco Royce. I think it was poor positioning from Upamakano. Because this was a long ball up. Over the top. kind of got to Royce, yeah, that... Honestly, he probably should have dealt with. I know right after this, Upamakano gets subbed off because this was probably the second time they had a, a long ball over the top get through. Yeah. And he is coming back from injury, so I can also understand why he got subbed off. But as soon as they brought him off, there was no more of that long mm-hmm. ball over the top. No. I thought it was fantastic positioning from him because of the position he got himself into with the ball over the top. That if Upamakano was to try to get on the other side of him, it would have been a foul. So, at least that part. But you're right. It is 50-50. Poor positioning. Great positioning. Cobell would have another wonderful save in the 61st minute this time on Leroy Sané. Probably should have done better with that finish. Finishing, man. Sometimes. Is, uh, I almost feel like he's too fast for his own good. Something. It's like he has a fantastic finish, and then it's like you hit Nip. it straight at the goalie, or you hit it... <laughs> Way over right. there. 
going into Rosette. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Sometimes it may be shit. After some wonderful interplay between Musiala and Kingsley Komen, Komen would break behind the defense, playing it across Kane, who had all the time in the world to finish it past helpless Kobol for his second in the 72nd minute. Two for Kane. And then things go from bad to worse for Dortmund as a terrible square ball from Nicolas Sula would find Jamal Musiala, who fed his interception. I wouldn't even call it fed his interception. I think it was just a extended touch where he gets tackled in the ball. Harry Kane picks up the ball, going unopposed on goal, finishing the move to complete his hat trick in the 93rd minute. Who knew spending $100 million on a world-class striker would make all the difference in the world? Strange. Yeah. Us? That's who? My prediction was right. That's why Bayern Munich won. Harry Kane, they have a finisher in the box. The guy's got 15 goals in 10 games. It's First huh. time in Bundesliga history that anyone's ever done that. Look what happens when Harry Kane has a supporting cast. Hmm. And world-class players all around him. Not just one. Not just two. Ten. Telling you, man, he would have scored the same amount of goals as Erling Holland at Man City last season. The guy I, can I, I almost would bet this season that he tops Holland's scoring tally from last year. Almost guarantee it. Hmm, that's an interesting one. We'll see. What's funny is last year's top goal scorers in the Bundesliga was Nicholas Fulkrig and Christopher Nkunku with 16 goals. Harry Kane, Kane already has 15. 10 matches. Yeah. And that Stuttgart no. forward, whose name I don't even uh, want to try to pronounce. Was it Guasare? Yeah, something, something like that. that. He's at 14 goals, so. But he is now out. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Good for him. All right, man. That brings us to our power rankings. We've seen some fantastic teams in the Premier League, in La Liga. Serie A, Bundesliga. I know we kind of go off of not only the record, and we're going off the month of October. So we have to look at the month of October, but then we also play a little bit into account of, okay, if these two teams were to play, who would win? A little bit, yeah. So, Targo, who's your number 10? Well, give us some honorable mentions, because I don't have any. So, Okay, I'll do a couple honorable mentions. I got uh, Barcelona as an honorable mention. They didn't have the best October. You know, they had a big win against Porto, but they drew, Gran- they drew Granada, lost to El Clasico and to Real Madrid. I also have Girona, who's first in La Liga, but no real, you know, notable wins. Also Nice, who are top in Liga. They did have a notable win against Marseille. And so this is where I'm struggling, man. My number 10. I think my number 10, I got to give it to PSG. Okay. So I'll give my honorable mention to Borussia Dortmund. It was tough. It's like, what's worse? Two draws or one loss? Depends on who the loss is against. It's to Newcastle. It wasn't a close loss either. It was a blowout. No, but what if you draw Milan 
and Frankfurt. I would say that's two points better. It's technically not, though, because you dropped four. So that's why I'm giving it number 10 to PSG. Their only loss was to Newcastle, but then they also spanked Milan. Milan. Yeah, they did. So if, if you go by that, I will say, getting spanked by Newcastle and then spanking Milan, whereas Dortmund beat Newcastle and drew Milan. But not in October. I understand that. But for the sake of the argument, that part, I will agree with you. Well, I'm just going to give you my top 10. How about that? Go for it. So my number 10 is PSG. My number 9 is Arsenal. They had three wins, one draw, and one loss. It's honestly the only reason they're probably in my top 10 is because they beat Manchester City. And they beat Sevilla in the Champions League. But then they lost to Longs. And then they drew Chelsea. And the way they're playing, well, then, they're not they're not as free flowing as last season. But they do have a little bit more steel about them, I guess, this season, I will say. Mm-hmm. It's really that loss to Longs. They you just don't rate them highly, apparently. Not right now, no. Okay. My number eight is Inter Milan. We have four wins and one draw. Notable wins against Roma and Benfica. The one draw was against Bologna. And they currently sit top of Serie A. So that's where I had a hard time. Like I, I was thinking, if Arsenal and Inter Milan were to play against each other... I think Arsenal would win. I think they would win, but that's not for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be close. And a personal opinion. Not necessarily fact. Hopefully it we'll is. find out in the knockout stages of the Champions League. There you go. Number seven, I have Atletico Madrid, who have four wins Ooh. and one draw. They have big wins against Real Sociedad. They beat Feyenoord. And their one draw was to Celtic in the Champions League. And I know this was the previous month in September, but they beat Real Madrid. That that was in September. Like we had so that my on number, September power rankings. Yeah. Now my number six is Bayer Leverkusen. They have five one five wins, no draws, no losses. Their most notable wins were against Wolfsburg and Freiburg. It's just I think the reason I can't put them higher is because I think the rest of the teams above them would beat them in a game if they were to play. I think that's the only reason I have them down that low, because as far as record go, they have the best. My number five is Liverpool with four wins and one draw. That draw was to Brighton. But one would argue that they haven't beat anyone of note of those Four wins. I I would agree to that, yeah. I I could see that. But, let me see, who'd they play? I mean, the notable wins for me are Union Saint-Jouaz and Everton. But it's the way they're also playing, man. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm not denying that at all. I'm just going with the argument of what you've made for the teams prior. I also think Liverpool would beat all the teams below them. You think they would beat Arsenal? I do. Okay. 
Number four, I have Tottenham. Three wins. And they drew Arsenal and beat, in quotes, beat Liverpool. But they've also been playing real good, man. <laughs> I think in I, this... I won't deny that, but I mean, their their actual wins are Luton, Fulham, and Crystal Palace. But it's the way they're playing. And like I said, they, they drew Arsenal. The way they played against Liverpool, honestly, if they probably would have kept their players on the field against Chelsea, I think they would have beat them. It's the way they're playing, man. I think they would beat them. Moving up to my number three, it is Bayern Munich. Five wins, big wins against Galatasaray in the Champions League, 8-0 thrashing of Darmstadt. And the Bavarian Giants, man, they're they're scary with Harry Kane in that attack now. (laughs) Yeah, they are scary. My number two, I might get some shit. Man City. Why would you get some shit? Four you're wins, one to, loss. You're apparently number what? Eight, nine team? Number nine? They did. So they shouldn't be number one if you're ranking Arsenal that low. Because they're they not lost my number it. one. They're my number two. I know. They lost, but why would they you, lost to I'm, Arsenal. I'm saying, why would you get shit for it? Because if I'm being honest, they are the best team in the world. When they're on their game, but in October, they lost three games in a row. They did. It's because they didn't have Rodri. I'm just hearing excuses. They didn't lose three games in they, a row. They they did in all competition. No, they, they no, lost. They didn't. Yeah. Man City. Yes. Wolves, in October, they lost. They beat the... Man United. They beat Young Boys. They beat Brighton. They lost to Arsenal. They beat Leipzig. That's October. They lost to Wolves. That was in September. It was three games in a row. Let, you keep going. No, it go. wasn't. I'm looking at their you... schedule right now. It was not three games in a row. Okay, you go ahead. Are you talking about the loss to Newcastle and the EFL Cup? Yeah. Yeah. That was also in September. All and then they lost to Wolves. And then they beat Leipzig. Okay. Sorry. So they, they did lost not lose three, three games in a row. Four. Three out of four. I stand corrected. But you are right. And th- the two losses prior were in September. Albeit. So the they're my number September. two. Because you also have to look, man. They beat Man United. They beat Leipzig. They beat Brighton. With 10 so, men. So what, Brighton had okay. 10 men? City. City had 10 men. At the end. Oh, yeah. So my number just... one. Go ahead. Is Real Madrid. Four wins, one draw. Big wins against Napoli in the Champions League. And they won El Clasico. Their one draw was to Sevilla. Away from home. And honestly, I, Real Madrid and Man City were to play. That would be a tasty affair. I don't so think what are your Real issues? Madrid- you sounded like you had something to say. What is it? I have quite a few issues, but I was going to wait until I said mine, because you're going to have quite a few issues with mine, too. Okay, well, give me yours, then. Yeah. Um, number 10, Atletico Madrid. 
Four wins, one one draw, zero losses. Beat Sociedad and Feyenoord. Drew Celtic, but Celtic have been haphazard in the Champions League this season. They have been They're third in La Liga currently. Well, in the at the time of me doing these power rankings, they were third in La Liga. They are now fourth in La Liga. Yes, in case you're wondering. But number nine, number nine, Barcelona. Yes, they won or lost against Real Madrid. It was a stoppage time winner. That match they dominated. They were unlucky, and it took moments of pure brilliance from one player to beat them. They drew Granada. They drew Granada in probably the worst officiated game I've ever seen in my entire life. Other than that, they beat Porto and Shakhtar. Otherwise, they'd be higher on my list. Top of the champion, their Champions League group. They were at the time fourth in La Liga. I believe they're third now. They are third. Number eight, same as you. Inter Milan. Top of Serie A. Beat Roma and Benfica. Drew Bologna, who, by the way, have won ten games in a row since then. We agreed on one. Yes, (laughs) one. Because the rest of it, well, I guess number three might be the same. I think that's it. Number seven, Tottenham Hotspur. Yes, they've been playing fantastic. But they haven't played anyone great of note or like besides the team, like Arsenal, when they played Arsenal. Arsenal shot themselves in the foot and did not play well in that match. I hate hearing this excuse for Tottenham haven't played anyone tough when they've played Man United, Arsenal, and Liverpool. Well, my argument here is Man United is not tough. That's three of the big six teams. You keep making this argument. That's three of the big six teams. You keep making this argument for Manchester United. They suck. They suck. Do not argue for Manchester United. Liverpool and Arsenal, go for it. Do not make an argument for Man United because every team on this list has beat them this season in the Premier League. They have been playing great. Yes, they drew Arsenal. They did not deserve to beat Liverpool. That was wholly a VAR decision. Maybe we mark it up as a draw. Whatever. But other than those two games, they haven't played a team besides Chelsea, which is November, in the top 10. In Did you Luton. say Crystal Palace? Where's, where are the they time, at? At the time, they were not in the top 10, if I'm not mistaken. But. No, they're not the top 10 anyway. They're in 11. <laughs> All right, number six, Liverpool. They so beat, we just switched you, ours. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is why I didn't really have a, a big problem. The only problem I had was that you're arguing that they beat Manchester United. They did. Comfortably. I, I understand that. But that's also did not Arsenal a big... beat them comfortably? Yes. No. It's a three last to one. minute winner. Three to one. From Declan Rice. It was three to one. Anyways. Manchester United sucked this season. Their record shows it. They're barely beating teams at the bottom of the table. That is the only argument I will make against saying that teams beat Manchester United as a notable team. 
Number five, this is where it's going to start getting, you're going to get heated and start yelling at me. So Manchester City, number five. Yeah, you're fucking nuts. Well, you have, I'm going with you have, October. You have, you have four teams above Man City that you think would beat them in a match. Well, my number four beat them in a match. So in October. This is based on they October. They lost to Lens and they drew yeah. Chelsea? Again. You have Man City as number five. I do. They beat Brighton and Leipzig, yes, but they lost to Arsenal. And because Arsenal beat them, I put Arsenal above them for the month of October. It will be completely different for the month of November. <laughs> but because Arsenal beat them, they are above them by one spot in number four. And quite honestly, if I could have put them as tied, I probably would have. But why do you put teams as tied in power rankings? That's dumb. So, yeah, Arsenal number four they beat City and Sevilla away, which is the biggest one. They lost a lot away, but, I mean, that was a second string team for Arsenal. And they put in a real shit performance at Sanford Bridge. Yeah, they did. And I'm not going to deny that fact at all. Half of that was goalkeeping error. So, And you know my feelings about David Ryan. Number three, Bayern Munich. Undefeated, scored 20 goals, conceded five in the month of October. I mean, pretty close to perfect, but not quite, as they had two draws. But I, I still can't believe they played nine games in October compared to the rest of these teams. Seven wins, two draws. The rest of these teams have played like five games. Bayern Munich played nine. Are you sure about that? Pretty sure. Bundesliga. Give me a second. Let's see. In all competitions, sorry. One, two, three, four, five. Five games. Really? Okay. Yep. I counted differently. That's my bet. They beat they beat Darmstadt, Galatasaray, Mainz, Freiburg, Copenhagen. United? Or was that September? That was September. Okay. Well, I might have counted some September games, but anyways. I just want to laugh They're out perfect. loud. They're perfect. Perfect in yeah, October. I, I want to laugh out loud at the fact that on November 1st, they lost to Sabruchen in the DFP Porkal. So... They did. Yeah. Third tier German too. <laughs> yep. Number two, Real Madrid. Beat Barca in El Clasico. That alone will get them into the top five. Do you have fucking Bayer Leverkusen as your number one? I do. Bayer Leverkusen, no. baby. Yes. They have oh yet my to God. lose all competitions this season. 19 goals scored, six against in October. 6-0, and oh, man. They're 8-1-0 in the Bundesliga overall as the time of me writing this. 3-0 and oh in the Europa League. In all competitions, 38 goals scored, 10 conceded. Bayer Leverkusen are on fire. And most of this is because of the way they're playing, not because I think the teams below them would may or may not beat them. I would love to see these games. Watching Who did they them beat? Play. That was notable. I didn't write that down, and it ran out of room on my paper. So, I guess I could look it up. Here, I'll tell you. In October, they beat Freiburg. Uh-huh. 
They beat Quarbag in the Europa League. Uh-huh. They beat Wolfsburg. They beat Cologne. They beat Mold. I think that's how you pronounce that in the Europa League. Yeah. And that's it. Cool. I love the way they're playing. They're fantastic. Javi Alonso is doing a wonderful job. And I'll be honest with you, until I see them lose, because I watched them play Bayern Munich in a game they probably should have won, was not in the month of October, unfortunately. But it is their only draw of the season. They've won every game other than that. I will be excited to see them play, I think, Borussia Dortmund. Because yeah, I think they like beat Leipzig already this season. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the game before I, they for, played Bayern Munich. But. For me, it's... I can't put them first, man. I, I agree. Xavi Alonso's got them playing fantastic. They look great. But you think they would beat Real Madrid? The way that Real Madrid's defense plays, it's possible. I'm not saying they would. I'm saying it's possible. I do not Bayern like the number one. <laughs> Bayern Munich couldn't beat them. Quite honestly, yeah, they probably could beat Arsenal, Manchester they City. They couldn't. They wouldn't beat Man City. Get the fuck out of here, Bayern Leverkusen. I didn't say they Man would. City. I said you gave me a maybe, like they would. No, get out. I doubt if they played Bayern Munich right now, they would beat them. The way that offense is humming for them. Well, we'll see. What do you guys think? Let us know in the comments. Am I batshit crazy yet again? Yes. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, make sure you guys let us know on our Instagram, Facebook group. Don't forget to follow our TikTok, YouTube, like, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Make sure to check out our Red Red Bubble account. Get the merch, all your favorite bruise and banter gear. I'm Targo. This is Red Crazy Redbeard with his power ranking picks, but we love you guys. Thank you so much. As always, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>